Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Again, good morning. We are now in, we, we made it through the first week of 2023. Is, that, is everyone okay? <laughs> I heard a no. <laughs> uh, which is probably why we're, we're starting the first several weeks focusing on prayer. Uh, because we need to come to the Lord. And um, so that's what we're focusing on this new year. We're focusing on prayer and we're going through uh, the 21 days of prayer is what it's called. And so we started last Monday. Uh, we, we meet here at 6 a.m. Very early we meet and we spend a considerable amount of time praying. We, uh, we pray through a, uh, like a liturgy together. We pray through scripture together and then we also pray, uh, get, we give requests, and, and we pray for those requests. Um, there's requests, those little yellow sticky notes or blue ones that you see up on the wall, those are prayer requests, and so we actually, uh, some of us look through those as well, and, and we'll lift those up in prayer. And so I just want to encourage you and to invite you. This is a wonderful time. I know it's really early in the morning. Um, but we do it in a time where you don't have anything going on, except for maybe sleep, okay? But it's um, maybe going to bed a little bit earlier, but to get up and to gather together like that, I know for myself, it has been a blessing. Uh, my daughters have been champions, uh, making me get up every morning and take them as well. So they have been coming and uh, I think they, they can give a testimony to how that has been helpful for the rest of their day to like get homework done, to get things done that they need to get done. Um, it's just a great way to start. So I would just invite you. Uh, we have two more weeks of praying together. So uh, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., we will be here. And if you come, you'll be blessed you will be blessed. All right, enough of the uh, shameful plugs for prayer in the morning. Uh, if you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and we are again looking at the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is part of a larger sermon that Jesus is preaching to some of his disciples, and also he's preaching this to a large crowd that has been following him around for some time. Jesus first begins by informing his audience about how not to pray. So this is how not to pray. Um, he says to avoid praying like the hypocrite, hypocrites who like to make a display of their prayers out in public. So they pray to make themselves look good or to look righteous before others. So he says, avoid doing that. He also tells them to avoid praying like the Gentile pagans who like to recite words 
like an incantation in order to coerce their gods to give them what they want. So avoid that. Instead, Jesus gives an example of how to pray. It's, it's not a prayer that we are required to pray every day or every Sunday when we gather. Now we can, we can do that, but that's not the requirement. It's, it's an example of how to pray. So last week we focused on verse 9 and this morning we will be looking at verse 10. So as we look at this example of prayer, I hope we see the way in which Jesus prays and that we would practice it when we engage with the Lord as well. And so with that, let's stand together in honor of the word of God. And I'll read the prayer and you can follow along. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Heavenly Father, as we walk through just one verse of this prayer, Lord, I just pray that you would reveal reveal yourself, reveal what you have for us this morning, that it would spur within us a longing and desire to pray to you, to engage with you, Lord, because, because you are a good God. You hear our prayers. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so last week we looked at just the first line of that prayer, and that is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And Jesus begins the prayer by describing who this God is that we are praying to. He is our Father, and He is in heaven overseeing all that He has created. So there is nowhere we can hide from Him. He is always knows all. He's also holy. Hallowed be your name. So he's holy and we should revere him as holy. We should lift up his name in how we speak and also how we act. So hallowed be your name. It's, it's living in such a way that we are giving glory to him and, and how holy he is and how great he is. And we do that through word and action. So this brings us to verse 10, where we find two petitions or requests. We are going to look at them one by one. And so let's look at the first one. It's this first phrase, your kingdom come. So this is like a request or even a plea to God, may your kingdom come. So God's kingdom is the manifestation of God's rule over everything and everyone. 
Therefore, we are to pray for God's rule to come to fruition or to come to reality. In many ways, the Old Testament gives illusions of God's kingdom and its future coming. So if you go way back in time in the Old Testament, during the time of the judges, we've, we've gone back there recently. This is when Israel was constantly invaded by their enemies and God provides them judges to protect them. They're like warriors for Israel. And the last judge was named Samuel. And he was getting old and the Israelites, uh, they weren't too keen on his sons ruling over them as judges. And it was because they were corrupt. And so they demanded, the Israelites demanded a king like the other nations around them. So let me read this account to you. This is 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting in verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, behold, you are old, which wouldn't that be nice if people confronted you and started out with, you're old. Anyways, behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Whoa. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. And so way back during the time of the Exodus, God took on the role of king over Israel. He was going to establish his kingdom through them as, as his people. And as he was taking them out of Egypt and, and giving them a land and, and making them into a nation, he was to be their king. But his people, Israel, reject him as king. But here's a glorious and wonderful truth about God and how he works. You see, God's plan cannot be thwarted by sinful man. God's plan cannot be thwarted by sinful man. His kingdom will be established in a way no one suspected, and God, he foreshadows this, he proclaims this, he gives us allusions to it through his prophets. So for example, Isaiah chapter nine, starting in verse six, for us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. There will be no end when it comes to peace. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. When you look at that passage, you see two things come out clearly, that this kingdom is going to be about justice, about righteousness, about holiness, but also about salvation. There will be righteousness, but there will also be peace. So this is a foreshadow of what is to come. And here's what's so astonishing about it. It's going to be through Israel's rejection that God establishes his kingdom. So by Israel rejecting God as king, he says, okay, I will establish a king for you, but I'm going to establish my king. And we see later, one, it was Saul, but he didn't work out, but God establishes King David. He puts David on the throne and, and he makes a covenant with him. And it is through his line, through David, that a child will be born who would usher in God's kingdom. And so if we fast forward to John the Baptist in Matthew, we've read this uh, several months ago in chapter three, John announces the coming kingdom. Verse one says, in those days, John the Baptist came, to, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and this is what he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's at hand. It's right here. And if you remember, it's like, it's, it's like a train, uh, uh, a freight train just coming through the town. You, you guys experience this either in New Buffalo and Sawyer, uh, where you can hear it coming, right? And I mean, it's coming fast. And so this is kind of how he's expressing this. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's almost like people should be looking. Whoa, here, here it comes. Later, Jesus takes up that same gospel message. So if you jump to chapter 4, verse 17, it says that from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what is this kingdom? What is this kingdom? Is it already here? Like Jesus and John the Baptist kind of talk about, it's at hand? Or are we still waiting for it to come? We may look out into our world and maybe turn on the news or look at a newspaper and go, boy, I think we're still waiting for it. So what is it? Is it here? Or is it something we're still waiting for? And understanding the kingdom of God can be challenging because it's unlike any kingdom that has come before it. There's an aspect of the kingdom, of God's kingdom, that is spiritual. And there's a, another aspect of it that it, it is physical. And there's an aspect of it that is present today and an aspect of it that hasn't happened yet. And so I like to refer to this mystery as the already, but not yet. That the kingdom is already and not yet. So let me hopefully unpack this for you. 
Think of it this way. Another way of looking at it is that God's kingdom has been inaugurated. It, it has started. It's launched into existence. However, it has not been consummated yet. It is not fully completed. It's, it's been a long process. And we're right in the middle of it. We get to experience it even today, the coming of God's kingdom. And so we can declare today that the kingdom has broken in. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ tore down the defenses of the enemy and the spirit of God has been poured forth, poured out, and it's conquered the hearts of men. It has happened. We read about it in the New Testament. We see it in the book of Acts, in the early church. And friends, we see it today. I think we are walking proof of that. God has conquered our hearts. So the church is a testament to this truth. Churches are like bastions of the kingdom, these, these pillars, these towers. They are like lighthouses that have sprouted up throughout a dark world, and it's the church who is called to advance the kingdom. And since Pentecost, this is way back in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we have seen the church spread the kingdom of heaven throughout the entire world like a tidal wave. At the beginning, missionaries have gone out to spread the gospel of Jesus throughout the known world. And like I said, we've read through that in the book of Acts, but it continues today. And they did not conquer lands. They conquered hearts. The kingdom of God is not a physical manifestation yet. It's not a physical manifestation yet. It is a spiritual work that takes place within the hearts of men. And so let me give you some examples of this. I, man, it would be, it would be fun just to get together and talk about this and, and how we see this in our day. But let me give you a few examples. There are 2.5 billion Christians in the world today. Today, there is an estimated 5,400 mission-sending agencies throughout the whole world. So I'm not just talking about missionaries. I'm talking about the agencies that send out missionaries to proclaim the kingdom of God. 5,400 mission-sending agencies. There's approximately 93 million Bibles distributed globally every year. The Bible is the number one best-selling book every year. Like nothing can hold the candle to it. It's, it's actually when, when they make a list of the best-selling books every year, they don't even put that in, in that list because it would be number one every single time. So it's, it's in a category all of its own. Approximately 9.5 million books about Christianity are in print today. And so we have entire bookstores, entire bookstores filled with Bibles and books about the, about the Bible and about Christianity. 
And we can find churches in some of the most remote areas of the world. We can find churches in some of the most persecuted places in the world. Pastor Jeff right now is overseas. And he's, I don't know in what country he's in right now. He's all over the place. But I'm sure he is in a country right now uh, where, where it's not too popular to be a Christian. And he's teaching pastors, pastors of churches in persecuted countries how to study and preach the word of God. So the work of the kingdom, which started over 2,000 years ago, continues to this day. People's hearts are being conquered. The kingdom of heaven is established, and every person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ is part of the work. This is how the kingdom of heaven has already busted into reality and is now advancing upon the world. Therefore, when we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying for the continued advancement of God's kingdom within the hearts of men and women. That's what we're praying. When we make that statement, your kingdom come, the continued advancement of God's kingdom within the hearts of men and women. So that's how the kingdom is already. Now let's talk about the not yet. This is the idea that we are still anticipating the consummation of the kingdom of heaven. It's advancing, but the complete establishment of it will not come to pass until until Christ returns. Remember, Christ promised when he left the apostles. He says, I am coming back. So this is a great quote from a theologian named Bruner. Uh, we are, says, we are praying not merely for changes in history, but for a complete end to this history and for the beginning of the new history of the word of the world of God. And so Revelation describes it as the new heavens and the new earth, that there will be a time when there is a new heavens and new earth and, and it'll come to pass when Jesus comes back. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, there's, there's kind of a mystery there. There's, there's kind of a tension there. We're, we're praying about it for the now and how it's, it's coming into reality now. But it, we're also looking forward in hope to the time that Jesus returns and fullest, fully establishes it. And so let me ask you this, and I'm going to ask it in various ways. What kingdom are you praying to come? What kingdom are you praying to come? Or in another way of saying is, is what kingdom do you desire to be established today? And I'm, I'm tr- I... I asked that question to myself, and that's why I'm asking it to you in that way. That's, that's how I asked it of myself, because I find a lot of times in my own life, my, my hopes for a, a, my expectations for the world, or, or how I want to see the world be, uh, is has not come to fruition, let's say. 
There's a lot of ways that when I turn on the news or put on, you know, uh, YouTube or Twitter or whatever that I may look at to find news, I can easily be disappointed. And I so want for things to change. And so what are, how can I, how can I make those changes or, or what are the, the powers that be that can make these changes to make this world a better place? So oftentimes, I find myself thinking about, boy, if we can just vote in the right people or if, if we can just uh, clean up uh, politics or if we can have some uh, charismatic leader that would lead us in our country, that things would be better. Is that, is that the kingdom that I'm praying for? Or is it God's kingdom that I'm praying for? And so just working through this for myself, there's been a mental shift. Because instead of complaining about what I see in the world, instead of complaining about those things, God is calling us to pray for his kingdom to come. And we know what that's supposed to be like. It's by proclaiming the word. It's about loving others and praying for the hearts of men and women to be changed, to be, to be consumed by the love of God and to know that Christ was crucified for them and for their sins. That's where our hope is and that God does that work. And so what kingdom are you praying to come? All right, so the first petition or the first request is your kingdom come, which we see has a lot of deep theological meaning behind. But here's the second, and that is, it's similar to the first, and that's your will be done. I believe this is an extension to the first petition or the first request. As God's kingdom enters into reality, may I be about your will being done, not mine. So here's kind of uh, the image that I have of it. It's um, this picture of, of this kingdom with the king, and now I have a decision to make. Either I will rebel against this king, or I will bend the knee to the king. Either with my will, be in rebellion of this king, and fight against him, and basically say not your will, but my will, or, or I submit to the sovereign king over me. And so with this proclamation, your kingdom come, your will be done. In that phrase, we, when we pray that, we are bending the knee to our sovereign king. Um, there's a, a, an illustration, so let me, I'll tell you a story. Um, I remember telling stories to Aiden when he was a little boy. There, there were stories that I would make up of, of these adventures. And I remember telling them to Miki too, I think. Um, sometimes, because I'm getting older, the, when it comes to remembering what I've done and how I've put kids to bed, I'm, I can't remember anymore. 
I asked Evie about this too, and I don't, I don't think this is how the stories went, but with, with Aiden and with Miki, this is kind of how the stories went, is that uh, it was either Prince Aiden or Prince Miki, and the adventure always started out with them going into the throne room. And I would describe the throne room as majestic with these, with these uh, pillars and, and uh, this, this train coming up to this huge throne and the king was sitting on his throne. And, and you may think, oh, Mike, you think highly of yourself as the king to these, but no, this was a portrayal of God, not, not their father, but, but of this king, this, this um, and, it, and it was supposed to represent God. And so they would come in and, and with, with head bowed and knee bowed, they would come before the king and say, Oh king, oh great king, what is your will? What is your bidding? I am your servant. And then the king would say, rise, Prince Aiden. It wasn't a deep voice like that. Or rise, Prince Miki. And then he would give the quest. You know, they're supposed to chase down a monster or find some hidden treasure. And then they would go off and do the king's will or do the king's bidding. But it's this this picture of our king, our God. And when we come before him to bow the knee with this phrase, your will be done. The Heidelberg Catechism says it in a very interesting way. It's a Protestant confessional document So I wanted to read this because it talks about this, this phrase, your will be done. And it says it in this way, that it is, that that this is what it means. Grant that we and all men may renounce our own will and without murmuring, obey thy will, which is only good. That everyone may attend to and perform the duties of his station and calling. His as willingly and faithfully as the angels do in heaven. So that's, that's what we're praying when we pray, your will be done. It's an expression of bending the knee to our sovereign king. It's a picture of soldiers kneeling before the king, prepared to do his will. We see this in various ways. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who, do, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it's a call to do God's will. Later, the apostle Paul makes a distinction between the ways of the world and the will of the Father. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so the question for you is, what do you think God's will is for you in your life? If God is your king, how will you serve him? How will you accomplish his will? 
And so this prayer, this phrase that we're looking at, it's your kingdom come, it's your will be done. Those are the two requests. But Jesus gives some clarity now to where this all should transpire. So this is point number three, or, or the third part of this phrase, and that is on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this phrase reminds us that this prayer is a cosmic prayer. It's, it's not for a spiritual manifestation of God's kingdom, but a physical invasion of God's kingdom. Heaven is not the end goal or desire that, that our spirits reside with God in heaven. That is, that is not the end result or the goal. It is that we will have new bodies like, like Christ had a new body. It's a new heavens and a new earth. See, that's the wonderful thing. Back in Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, when he created everything that's physical that we even see today, when he created it, he created it good. He saw it as good. It is not good for us to be apart from this physical world. And so in this prayer, when it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there's this picture that, that God's kingdom will be, will be established in a physical way with a new heavens and a new earth and with his followers having new bodies. And so it starts now. It starts now. We are the invasion army for God's kingdom. And it starts by knowing the gospel, by believing the gospel, and by proclaiming the gospel. It's to pray that the Spirit would move and transform the hearts of people. It starts with the heart, and it blossoms into love for God and love for neighbor. It also is connected with Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came and said to them all, uh, said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." So as the church, we are to make disciples. We are to advance the kingdom of God. We are to conquer hearts. This is our prayer. Your kingdom come. So the question is, how do we cultivate kingdom hearts, both in ourselves as well with others? Your will be done. So the question is, what is God's will and how can we live it out in our own lives? You know, with that one, with that question, I think the answer can be found in the Sermon on the Mount, starting with the Beatitudes. There he is describing what a kingdom heart looks like. 
He also, if you continue to read after the Beatitudes, he calls us to turn away from anger and to turn away from lust, to keep marriage sacred. He calls us to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile with someone, to give your cloak as well as the tunic to the one who is demanding it of you. There is a description of God's will within the Sermon of the Mount. And we should, we should read it in that way. That's just an example. We know that all scriptural is useful to equip us and to help us see and understand God's will for us. So we come back to this both and. There is something that we are looking forward to and praying about with anticipation, and that is the second coming of Christ. And so as we, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, there is an aspect of that that we're, we're praying about. The ushering in of the new heavens and the new earth. We look forward to that day, but now, but now we must continue to do the work the Lord has called us to do. And it's about kingdom living. And so as we pray, this is an example of how we are to pray. So I encourage you in this way, even this week, be praying about these things. Be praying about the kingdom and its coming and how you can be a part of that. Be praying that you would follow the will of the Father. Ask him what that looks like for you. It may look different. We all have different lives. We, some of us go out to work. Uh, some of us are homemakers. We, we all have different roles and responsibilities. But even in those roles and responsibilities, God has called you to follow him and to follow his will. What is that for you? The Lord, the Lord has called us to have kingdom hearts. Will we submit and follow him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for this prayer that is an example for us of how to pray. It's a great picture of, of us first focusing on you and, and reflecting upon who you are. You are our Father. You are in heaven overseeing everything. Your name is holy. And it's a great example of us refocusing on what, what your plans are what you are all about, and that is for your kingdom to come. So Lord, we pray for that. It's, it's already moving forward. So Lord, we pray that we would be a part of it, that we too would look forward to the time when it would be fully established in Christ's return. Lord, thank you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.